Welcome to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. This podcast is for moms just like you who want to learn how to glorify God through finding and embracing true principles, discovering and developing your greatest gifts, and using them to serve your family and community. Welcome, moms. I'm Audrey Rinlisbacher, the founder of the Mission Driven Mom, with a very special, awesome guest. I'm very, very privileged to have her on. Um, she's taken some of her precious time to come talk to us. Her name is Becky Rogers, and she is um, a, the founder of Families Mentoring Families. She's a mother of 10, so that's absolutely phenomenal. None of us have any excuses about any of that. <laughs> and um, she is coming to us live from Ghana, which is super awesome. And we're super excited to talk to you. I want to, I don't know. I've, I've, I've been a little bit of a loss. The best way to start. I think I want to begin at the beginning and have you tell us a little bit about your childhood first. Okay. <laughs> first of all, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so honored to have this, um, to receive this invitation and to be with other moms yeah. and mission, mission driven moms. Uh, I mean, that's all the better. So. I know, I know, right. They're really stuck with women. I know because y'all are my peeps. And so that's why I can just feel like we're all in this sisterhood and we can just all be real yes. together. Right. Like we can yes. just, we can just yes. say it how it is. Cause we're all in our own place in our own path in our own journey. And it's that perfect place. So yep. super yep. excited to be here. Yes. Yeah, so my childhood, Oh man, let's see. So I'm the oldest of eight children and growing up, we did music. That was how we grew up. My mom was a, a music teacher. She was a professional violinist and she was oh, wow. um, university uh, faculty. Mm -hmm. And so that was her life and that's how she raised us. So if you were in the Richards family, you did music and we all learned to play the piano and something else. And she practiced with us every day. <laughs> wow. She like, like, like that. So, so sometimes, you know, I, I laugh because we've homeschooled our kids um, since 2012. And um, people ask if we were homeschooled and I, and I say, well, we also went to school, but we were also homeschooled because our parents, because <laughs> our parents, you know, they, they, they taught us and they raised us like that, even though we went yeah. to public school, actually. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of how I was raised. I so was raised. What instruments um, did you, what instrument did you choose? So I, my, my, my university degree actually is in violin. Oh my violin goodness. You're that good? Violin performance. Yes. And before that's all of incredible. this happened. I had like a 25 year, like studio violin playing career, <laughs> which I really loved. It's so fun. Um, I had a lot of really fun friends there and, um, yeah, that was my life. I just, I grew up thinking, I just want to be, um, a mom and, um, raise my kids. I just want to stay home and raise my kids. If I need to, I'll teach violin lessons. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's what my mom did after school. We'd come home and she would have lessons going on in the afternoon. And so we kind of manage things in the house and, Wow. And, um, so we practiced in the morning, went to school and then, and then did our, you know, homework and things like that after school. So that's how I was raised. And that's how I started out raising my own kids. The first half of my kids, mm -hmm. suffice it to say that the last half of my kids are raised totally different. <laughs> so half. let me, so let's go back a little bit. So tell me a little bit about the, the spiritual culture, the educational culture, aside from music, the 
the emotional culture in your in your home. Okay. Those things. That yeah. Um, so my parents, my I have phenomenal parents. Yeah. I mean, straight up, I'll, I'll just tell you that. And um, they've been so supportive of everything I've ever done. In fact, when we first decided to take our kids out of school um, and I was going to all of the conferences, you know, when that yeah. when you're trying to it's figure stuff joke. out, yeah, totally. right? I was doing that and my dad actually went with me. Um, and I, I think he wanted to make sure I wasn't going to screw something up. Like he was trying to, you know, keep his eye on me and make sure we weren't going down some, <laughs> some sinister path. But, um, but, but he also wanted to know how he could support us. And so that's like, those are the kinds of parents that I have. And my mother, because I was the oldest, those of you that have large families know what I'm talking about, that you have, diff- your younger kids have different opportunities than the older ones. Cause you got more at home. Right. Yeah. And the money doesn't go as far. And so uh, because I was the oldest, um, my mom had been able to travel a little bit when she was in college. Like she'd done a study abroad in music oh, wow. mm-hmm. um, and she'd done some, you know, summer music camps and things like that that had been really important to her. So she made that a priority um, that I have that experience, too. And it was like a once in a lifetime thing. And she saved money. She took extra jobs. I remember she used to play like the Nutcracker, all of the all of the gigs through the Christmas season, which was Thanksgiving to New Year's, so that we would have those kinds of opportunities. And so um, even though, you know, we weren't wealthy by any, we weren't wealthy at all, um, sure. but but we had a set of priorities and a set of values in our family. And you know, even if we didn't know, the, even if we didn't have food, which we always did, the not having food was like after, that's how we kind of raised our kids. <laughs> But we always had lessons. We always had lessons. We always had, um, you know, that that strong emphasis on the importance of education. And uh, it wasn't the kind of thing that that you're going to do it when you can afford it. Like we're just going to do it now because every day that we don't do it, we're losing it. We're losing ground. It's a missed opportunity, right? Wow. So that's kind of how I grew up with my with my parents. My mom sacrificed. She sacrificed everything for us when we were, when we were growing up, she, like I said, like she used to get us up at five o'clock in the morning to practice with us. Um, and she'd rotate through, like she just, she didn't, she didn't do anything for herself. Like she didn't, she didn't wear makeup. She didn't like until most of us were, were gone. And then she kind of got back into those, those kinds of things because it was, that's disposable income that they didn't have. Right. And so, and they were putting all of their investment into their children. And so that's, that's kind of a little bit of, that backstory. But no, I have phenomenal parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So great examples. So were you, so you, were you raised religious at all? Yes. So, yes. So um, I grew up um, in the, as a member of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, mm-hmm. um, born and raised that way. And um, my, and that was a, that was the central aspect like our spiritual lives were a central aspect of our um yeah. of our upbringing for sure yeah. yeah that's awesome okay so it sounds like you music was a huge part of your life you're studying it in college how many hours a day were you practicing yeah. well you know by the time you get to college at the, especially at the BYU level, the Brigham Young University level, um, in order to get into that program, it's quite, quite competitive. Yeah. Um, and I've had students do it of mine and I've had a couple of kids do it. 
um, wow. <clears throat> on piano. And it's, it's very, it's really intense. Yeah. It's really intense. My daughter just graduated um, as a piano performance major. And I'm so, so proud of her. She's, she's done amazing. Cause it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's really intense. Um, but probably you're going to look at three to four hours a day is your bottom minimum yeah. plus your other classes and all of that. Um, and I remember my mom one time telling me when I was stressed out because I had to study for a history test or something. Uh -huh. I remember her telling me that's all well and good, but no one's going to hire you if you can't play in tune. <laughs> so that was her way. Of, <laughs> that was her way of telling me like, like prioritize your education, right? Like, like, like make sure that you're being appropriate and what you're like, she wasn't telling me to ignore the history, but she was telling me, she was telling me to be smart about my time wow. and my energy and wow. my, you know, to be, and to be wise. Um, it sounds like that was a tool your parents used. And I don't know if this was consciously or just because of the love of it, but it sounds like it helped build a lot, a, a pretty strong work ethic. Absolutely. And some serious um, discipline. I mean, yep. rising early and the, and the, and the practicing yep. and getting into the program and everything. That's phenomenal. Yep, absolutely. And because I was raised that way, that's just kind of what I always pictured. I always thought that's yeah. how it was going to go down. And that was going to be my life. Cause that's what I knew. Yeah. yeah. So sometimes I still laugh and go, what happened? <laughs> well, it sounds like, you, I mean, it sounds like you did do a lot of that because you've got these performances. I did. I did. And, and our, and our kids, like when that's how I raised my, um, my older kids mm -hmm. for 20 years. That's what we did. We did piano lessons every Tuesday. We had the ones that weren't as musically inclined. I had like, I think I had three black belts, third degree black belts. And wow. I think like things like that, like I tried to find out like if they weren't, if music wasn't their thing, I tried to figure out what's their yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, that was me too. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. then help oh, yeah. them, help them to develop that thing so that they yeah. could be proficient and really good and confident at something before they hit those teenage years where they're looking for it. And then sometimes it's yeah. Tricky. So yeah. Absolutely. Anyway. Yeah. So, so you're studying music <laughs> in college, all of that. So how did you meet your husband? How did your family start your family? My husband and I, um, his sister was my best friend. Oh, cute. I know. In it was high totally school cute. or in college? In high school. No, in, in high school. Like oh. all growing up. We uh -huh. lived a half a block on the same away on the same straight street. They oh. lived at the bottom of the street. We lived halfway up. Uh -huh. His sister was my best friend. He was a jock. He was the VIP basketball player the year they his senior year they took they won the state championship and he got a dunk in the state championship game. <laughs> <laughs> and I was Miss AP Biology, so <laughs> we were not in the same circle of friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get it. Not at all. Yeah. So, but he, I noticed. Um, I noticed about him that even though he was in those, in those kinds of circles, like I'm talking about like high school, right? Like your high school perceptions yeah. of things, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, he was so kind and he was so humble and he was so different than everyone else that I knew mm -hmm. that he always just stood out to me. And whenever I would think about, you know, dating other people, I just, he was my natural go-to of who I would compare to. Really? Well, that's yeah. awesome to wind up with him then. Kind of like, sorry guys, but like, but I was also terrified that he'd find out that I kind of had a crush on him. So, yeah. 
Yeah. So I, I, I tried to hide that. And after a while, he, um, he left on his mission. And I got a job working at a collection agency. This is so funny. Good times. Good. I know, right? Like I'm if I would have known. Like, I would like to work. <laughs> it was terrible. <laughs> but I was happy because it wasn't fast food. I was thinking, this is a desk job. I'm a secretary, right? Yes, it's true. Like, in, yes. in, high school, in high school. So I was thinking like, this is the big time. I'm making four yes. whole bucks an hour instead of, yes. you know, 375. So. Wow. <laughs> So, so there we go. There, I just dated myself totally. Yeah, I'm really only 27, but just kidding. That's what I tell my kids. Um, so, I uh, so when you do that job, when you're calling people on their accounts, you don't use your real, your real name. Okay. And so I so I thought this is perfect. He will never know. He'll never know. So like for nine months that I worked that job, every time I answered the phone, I would say, hi, this is Becky Rogers from blah, 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 blah. That is some and serious I, visualization, Becky. Totally. Right. <laughs> so I totally sending that out. Oh, that's hilarious. I know. I know. So anyway, so that's kind of how it got started when he came home from his mission. Um, I was always at his house and he just, you know, we just, connected and we already knew each other we were like brother and sister it did take us it took him a little while he was never like a brother brother to me because I always thought he was you know kind of cute so but so it took him a little bit of to get over the like brother sister thing (laughs) like it's like dating my little sister but um but after that we haven't looked back so it's all good (laughs) that's awesome so at what point at, at, at any point did you say to each other we're going to have 10 kids? No, we always knew we were going to have a a big, we always wanted to have a big family. There were seven in his family and eight in mine. And so we always said, Oh, how many kids do you want to have seven or eight? You know, like, 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 Uh Oh, seven or eight, seven or eight. Like that was always good. And it was always good until we got seven. And then he's like, okay, that's good. (laughs) And I'm like, but wait, what about eight? (laughs) Uh we We had to work through some of that. So yeah, I guess but, your were your pregnancies not too bad. You were just able to. No, my pregnancies were. Oh well, here's the irony of it. I had to do fertility treatments to get all of those, but the first and the last. Wow. So my 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 pregnancies were okay. I yeah. mean, it wasn't fun. Like I was, you know, sick, but I wasn't like. Yeah. Like I knew how to. Like I figured out how to manage it after yeah. enough yeah. time. You know, I figured out how to manage it, but. Um, but that was my challenge was actually getting pregnant. Wow. So yeah, I had to do continually more and progressively more and more fertility treatments until, um, that's probably why you thought nine, because that's where I was when I had the the nine, I was stuck and, um, tried to figure out why, what was wrong with my body, like why it wasn't working and, and things like that, you know? Wow. Um, just got led one thing to another to find so, the answer. So, so how old's your youngest then? My youngest is eight. She just turned eight. And my oldest is 28. So there's a 20 year space between them. Wow. Okay. So you're married to your crush and <laughs> having all these adorable kids. So then what, what happens next? I guess the first group was just doing kind of traditional school like you had done. Were you mm-hmm. teaching lessons, mm-hmm. uh, doing music yeah. with them, kind of 
living out kind of how you'd been raised. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the common core stuff started happening. Oh, Okay, yeah. And it started to get to be more and more work for me with my kids. It was, it wasn't, it, it was the pre common course stuff. It was like investigations, math, yeah. all those kinds of things yeah. that were coming in yeah. where I was like, man, if I have to do like, this is all homework for me. And I have all these kids. And if I have to do all this homework with my kindergartners, we're going to die, <laughs> like, you know? And so um, I just started, it was, it was kind of a, a I kind of ran into a perfect storm where, you know how God just leads you? Like, here, come over here, look at this, we, you know, bring this in and meet this person. And that's sort of what happened. And we ended up um, taking our kids out of school and um, we started to follow and study a lot of the, the Thomas Jefferson education principles that were specifically about being mission minded. Wow. And I always thought, I just felt like I was lost. I was like, what is my mission? And I, I also knew I was young, so I knew I was still preparing, you know what I mean? But at the same time, I was looking for it. And I thought, man, how awesome oh. that these kids that we're raising are getting to a glimpse of their mission when they're <laughs> love of learners, you know, like when they're like, they're like, like, and how beautiful as mothers that we get to, from that perspective, just observe them. Yeah. Yeah. You so, know, just observe them. So. so were you, were you scared or? worried or any of that when you took that on or what how did you feel about it um no because I knew it was right mm. I knew it I knew it was right I didn't know why it was right and honestly it, it, it wasn't confirmed until after we made the leap yeah but my husband is also um he's a really good balance for me because like I'm like let's just take a leap like let's a like <laughs> running leap right mm -hmm. <laughs> he's he, he sometimes is like the the anchor. And so, um, whenever he gives it a go, then I, then that's a, that's a serious sign for me too. You know? And, well, and actually when, like when we took them out, when we were looking at homeschooling our kids, we had, I was expecting number seven. So number six was kind of still a toddler or a baby. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have all of our, our kids yet, but we were in the, in the depths and the throes of, of babies and managing all that with all of the yeah. lessons and you know yeah. all, all of, but for me like it was it was easier for me to have control of their education and decide what they wanted what what they were supposed to learn and what we were supposed to learn as a family yeah. and to school as a family than to have them all in separate grades and having to have them in different schools and at a certain place at a certain time it was so much less work for me yeah to be able to because like for me like I couldn't remember their assignments but I, so I thought, well, if, at least if I give them their assignments, then I stand a chance of knowing what they are, <laughs> right? And keeping track of all of that. So that's so one what of the was reasons. That, what was that like? How did that go? How did you decide what you wanted them to learn? And how did you start building a new family culture right in the middle of things? Um, well, in the middle of it, I kind of, um, we did it. I, I thought we were doing it a little bit gradually. And I guess it kind of was, but now that I look back on it, you know, like actually not so much but so I I started by taking them out of school part-time so they could still do their electives at school and we would do their core stuff at home okay um, and then after like a semester of that I just thought this is like it's too hard to have to have them be places that and 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 my my value was on what we were doing at home yeah and, and the school piece became more and more optional. 
you know? So how did you decide what you wanted them to learn or what you were going to study together? Um, you know what? That's just one of those things that happens by the spirit because there's so much that you can do. Yeah. And especially nowadays, you know, I had a mom here in Ghana a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago, ask me, and here it is not a thing, not done ever. Yeah. Yeah. And she asked me, she said, I'm starting to have thoughts about taking my kids out of school, but she goes, whenever I look it up online, there's just so much, I just get confused. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, Oh sister, Oh sister. Like I totally, I can relate. I can understand that. Yeah. Um, but I think for me, governing values or goals or objectives, like how did you, we adopted a lot of the TJ principles. Like I wanted to keep it as simple as possible Mm -hmm. for everybody. And so absolutely. Yep. Yep. And in the beginning, I just basically told them, um, each of my kids, you're, this is your, this is your time requirement for your study, for your reading or whatever. And, and I based it on how old they were. And I said, now let's just go to the library and let's get, you get whatever you want. Cause at school, I'd had a couple of kids that were turned down at, at the school library because they wanted to check out a book. If they were in first grade, they wanted to check out a book that was like a third grade book. And the teacher like wouldn't let them check it out. So I take them to the library. And I'm like, you know what, check out whatever you want. And I don't even care if you read it, just check it out. <laughs> like, <laughs> awesome. you know? Yeah, And so, um, so in the beginning, my oldest son, I think he, and he was in fifth grade ish. Uh Uh He, um, he checked out all of the books over the course of time, like literally everything over the course of time on um, mythology. He was kind of into age of empires a little bit. And we are pretty strict in the video game stuff. We don't do much of it, but that one, it, it had piqued his interest. So, so he went and he bought, he got all the books on Egyptian, Greek, Roman, and Norse mythology. Wow. And I started just for my own peace of mind. And in case anybody's going to come and ask me, I start, I just recorded all the pages that he was reading and all the books that he read, you know, so I'd have a, a record of That's that. That's awesome. And he, I mean, I'm simple, 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 right? Like keep it simple. And so he, he did that until literally there wasn't anything more for him to check out. <laughs> <laughs> at his level or whatever that he, yeah. that he did. So one day he comes to me and he says, he found a notebook somewhere and he said, Hey mom, can I have this? I just want to make a book and write down everything I've learned about mythology and about all these things. And I was like, I'm like, try not to do a happy dance. Like inside I'm doing this happy dance outside. I'm like, Oh yeah, sure. Knock, your, <laughs> knock yourself out, babe. Like, yeah, sure. That's what, that's what makes you want to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My daughter, she was totally um, the one that just graduated in music. She was a Mozart fan. So she read everything Mozart. Wow. Everything. So, you know, they just all had their own interests. And so that's kind of where we started. I was like, just whatever you want, like do whatever you want. We're love of learning. I'm in, I'm in love of learning for myself. Totally. You know? Yeah. And so, and that's one of the things that we talk about a lot of the mission driven mom is we set the pace. We set the, the, the emotional level. We set the, the culture, you know, we communicate the values with our own behavior so if you want yep. kids that love to learn, then, then let's, let's love learning. Let's, let's learn love it ourselves. Yeah, totally. Because it, what's not to love. I know. I mean, I know. it's like life started when, as soon as I got out of formal education, you like- know, it's so, it's so funny, Becky, because I, and I tell people this regularly, honestly, I, well, first of all, 
you know, I start getting into the, some of the books for, with the kids and we're learning stuff together. And I'm thinking, how did I, I don't remember any of this. Like, it's like, I wasn't even there. I don't, I don't know why I don't, I didn't retain much. I think largely because I didn't care about it at the time. Mm-hmm. But the big thing for me is, you know, I hope that homeschooling helped my kids, but it was phenomenal for me. Absolutely. You know, it changed me in so yep. many ways. And that's not to say that everybody needs to homeschool, but I do believe every mom needs to set a culture of growth and learning and expansion yeah. and, and, yeah. and kids will pick up on that and, and, yep. you know, embark. yeah. And being able to study what you want is so, oh yeah. So different. It's so different than having to go through what's, what the requirements are to graduate. And all the paranoia about, am I going to get the right answers? And is the professor going to be pleased? And am I saying the things he wants to hear? It's all about you. It's what you want to get out of it. It's what you, what improves your life. It's what you're interested in. And, and it's, and it's between you and God. Yeah. You know, it's really like, I look at it and I'm like, okay, what does God need me to know? What is the next piece? I remember being led and sometimes like, sometimes I'll come across a book title or a movie or something like two or three times within a week. You know what I mean? That's kind of like a ding, 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 like check this out. Yeah. And I remember one time I, I, I had two of those and I ordered them in the same order from Amazon and they came to my house. And I remember, like, I was so excited. Like when I got it, I remember picking up the package and I had this distinct impression. I got this package from God in the mail. And I remember as I opened it, like, like there was something like that came out of that. And it was, like I've never that's experienced so anything like it. It was like it was like I got awesome. delivered a package from God on my door. Here, so study awesome. this. <laughs> I love that. So let me and ask you this awesome. question. Then. It was awesome. Yeah. So we talk a lot about these four foundational laws, right? So you love God, you love yourself. So part of that is discovering your gifts, developing them. Part of that is taking care of yourself, so you don't get totally trampled in the midst of motherhood. And part of that is learning to manage yourself, self-discipline, emotional control over, you know, your thoughts, your attitudes. And then we talk about being a truth lover, being a truth pursuer, kind of what that means. We, we learn principles, we learn to identify them. And then kind of what we've been talking about here, love of humanity is so much about becoming familiar with the world and the history of the world and the needs of the world and the different kinds of people out there and and, um, and, and all of that preparation leading to a call. Um, and so I just wonder if, if, if you feel like that's mirrors, uh, your experience, if, if you feel like those were preparation years and if so, how do you feel like you were prepared? You know, that's actually a really funny question because that's what, that's what started this whole thing. (laughs) actually, because I remember feeling like, um, I just started to notice I have a rant, really random skill set, really random set of gifts. Like, yeah. like the puzzle pieces I could, I mean, I don't even know how they're supposed to fit together. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. like I, like I am passionately in love with mothers and education and home education and the, mm-hmm. the impact of mothers on their families. Mm-hmm. I'm a freedom fighter to the yeah. core. I'm yeah. a free the captive baby. Like that's my deal. 
Yeah. Um, I'm a music major. That's what I th- that's what I thought I was before all these other things showed up, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then over the course of all of this, I end up with the, like creating my own personal development company just from my own education and that yeah. with this whole series. Um, and then in, in seeking for the answers of what was wrong with my body and why I was having so much difficulty, why my endocrines were so messed up, um, I ended up learning how to um, speak to the body to ask it what's up and why it's doing what it's doing and what does it need to correct itself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so all of those things together, um, I, I, I had, a, I, I called a meeting with God. <laughs> Awesome. but you really gotta like, you know like, Becky, don't, like, like don't do that don't do that unless you really want to know what he has to say yeah but becky i really think like your i really feel like your experience is reflected with a lot of moms like we're interacting yeah, with yeah. a lot of moms that are like i don't yeah. get how the pieces fit together and i keep telling them don't worry about it yet yeah don't worry about it yet just keep developing them Yes. You know? And then yes. you, and then I think that, I think you felt inspired to have a moment where it was time. Absolutely. And you felt ready. I mean, d- because now's exactly. the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't have been appropriate any sooner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's what I was talking about. Like we're in that perfect place in our path for us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of what I, that's what the meeting was about. I just said, okay, I don't get it. Like, You've given me all of these things. I do these things that I've always done. And I just feel like there's something more. I'm totally cool with things, you know, how they are. Yeah. I love doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but I have a feel. I don't know if I just had a feeling that it was for something else. So as part of that meeting, it was like, okay, these are my, these are all of the gifts you've given me, all of the talents you've given me, all of the yeah. knowledge that you've given me. Yeah. Sending me packages in the mail for crying out loud. <laughs> so what do you, what is it for? What do you want me to do with it? Yeah. You know, and that was kind of, yeah. that's kind of how the whole thing started. Yeah. Because. So then what? So it turns out he's got an opinion, right? So, <laughs> so, um, yeah. Well, he doesn't so, just have an opinion. He has a plan. So, yeah. He's going to show you how the pieces fall into place. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. What a, what a ride. What a yeah. ride. One of the, one of the, one of the terms that we talk a lot about is as you become principle centered in the way that you live your life, then you have the capacity to solve real world problems in a principle centered way to create mm. solutions that are real permanent solutions because they're principle centered because, and the other part of it, Becky, that's so important is that you've created this such a solid foundation in your home that it doesn't come falling apart and crashing down when it's time for you to do more outside your home because everything at home is solid. And I see that reflected in your story too. Yeah. Well, and, and by that, I don't mean to give an impression that's all perfect because we still, no, like, of course we still, not. We still like work through our stuff right now. Parenting adult kids is about kicking my, kicking oh, my rear. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Man, I say that often. It is so I'm still trying to, trying to figure that one out. Like, Oh it was so nice. It was. I know. It's a whole different thing. So simple. Oh man. Yeah. So yeah. So so from there, I um within a few days or maybe a week or two, I started having impressions that we should put our house on the market. Okay. Which I which I just happened. You've just yeah the first yeah. You your house on the market. Okay. Yep. Yep. We should put our house on the market. But I loved my house. 
And that's the last thing I want to do. It's so much work. Like, even if you're going to move down the street, it's going to be a year's project, right? Like, it's not worth doing unless it's a significant upgrade. And so I was like, ugh. And I didn't know how to bring that up to my husband either. And so I just sort of worked on it for like two weeks, hoping it would go away. Yeah. <laughs> and then I got a little bit chastised about it. And it was like, if you're going to play here and I give you an instruction, I need you to do it now. Everything's time sensitive. Do it now. So I was like, ugh. My bad. So, so that day I had a conversation with my husband and I said to him, um, would you ever consider selling our house? And he said, yeah, he said, well, I consider it, but where would we go? We just have to get another house, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, see, dumb idea. <laughs> dumb idea. Phew. I'm off the hook. Cause I've now followed up on the prompting and he's put the gouache on it. So there's nothing I can Perfect. do. So that's, yes. that's off the hook. Yep. Yes. And then that very same day, <laughs> that very same day I was driving to piano lessons and I felt this huge <sighs> come over me we're going to Africa and I was like but I but I didn't I didn't mention that I had been before I'm like my second son had served his mission there and this, like three weeks after he came back from his mission so how long um, previous to this let's get the home on the market did you go to Africa the first time, um, probably my very first trip. Okay. So when he, when he got called, mm -hmm. I started meeting people from Ghana because it's how God works, right? Like people, yeah. like everything starts to reconfigure. Yeah. And I started to have this impression. Did he about, in Ghana? He did. He served in the mission that we live in now. Okay. Yeah. And he, um, and I started to have these impressions about, um, families that feel like their kids can't get an education because they can't pay school fees. And to, for us, it's like, well, like our kids, we homeschool on a dime, right? Yeah. So yeah. like education is not about school fees. It's about all of those principles. Like, like it's a flawed, they're flawed principles. They're not true. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I just started having an awareness of that. And I started having this idea about connecting families around the world and strengthening them, uh, specifically mothers, because at the end of the day, we all want the same thing for our kids. I can sit with my sisters on the Maasai Mara in Kenya. And at the end of the day, we do the same stuff. We sacrifice everything for our kids' education. You know, we want them to grow up to be good people. We yeah. want them to be happy. We'll do anything for that. And yeah. at the time, I also became highly aware um, in the political scene, uh, um, the international political scene, um, about the policies that were popular and being made around women. And how um, if you know we feel like we've we've done we've done our job if we educate a, a girl out of wanting to become a mother. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We had, and, and we had yeah, yeah. We had a guest who was talking about that specifically. Yeah. Yep. And so that's kind of what I was seeing. And so again, it's a, just another perfect storm, right? Where mm -hmm. like like God puts something in your heart and then he starts showing you things. Here, so look, your son so your son goes to Ghana and you you go visit him or how are you meeting people? Like no, no. So he goes to Ghana and I'm thinking, so at that time, because we were in a really bad financial position because ten kids and neither of us make enough money to do that. Yeah. Um, and I think so, but I have this, this thing in my heart now, this idea. And it's like, well, how would I ever expect to do anything with this? And it's probably dumb anyway, because it's totally not practical. I think at the time I was working, 
um, I got a job so that I could work from home doing medical transcription. So I was doing medical transcription like 45 hours a week. I had a full violin teaching studio that I was doing, and I had a couple of other side gigs that I was doing, and I was trying to homeschool my kids um, the best I could. Luckily, I had a really great support community, like homeschool community co-op. Um, oh, man, they were so awesome. And um, like I was sleeping about two hours a night, probably, because I would work through, like I work after my, as much as I could when my kids were asleep so that I could yeah. do that other stuff. And I did that for a couple of years. <laughs> and then God gives me this. And I'm like, are you joking? <laughs> so, so, so I'm just trying to get the timeline straight in my head. So this, you're doing that when he goes to Ghana the first time? Like, I'm yes, trying to- yes, okay. yes. That's, that's where I, that's where I was when okay. I got this little piece of something in my heart about this. Um, and seeing like, who am I? And I knew all this other stuff that I was totally like drowning in wasn't me, but so I, what was, I, the I was first, what was that first little inspiration then? What was the first thing that you did? The, the first thing, the first thing just was about how I could connect with women. For me, even the 10th baby was such a happy and a joyful experience. Like it was so like, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like the first. Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and i became aware of number one some places in the world where when a, a, a woman or a girl has a child it's not a happy thing mm-hmm. yeah because she can't take care of it and the father's long gone yeah and um now she doesn't know what to do and then yeah. um in many cases she's going to take that child to the orphanage in hopes that that child will be able to have two meals a day and if they're lucky a little bit of education yeah. Because again, she wants the same thing and that's the only way she has to provide it. Yeah. So how did you, how did you start uncovering these, these difficulties? Was it through your son and his experiences there? No. So I decided that I wanted to go check it out, which was totally ridiculous because I didn't have any time and I didn't have any money, but I wrote down on a piece of paper that I go to Africa to do humanitarian work. And at the time I was like, hey, father, this is a joke. Like, I don't know anybody who does this, you know, like, this is so far out of my normal life, like what it yeah. should look like, should yeah. look like, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but I wrote it down on a piece of paper that I go to Africa to do humanitarian work. And I thought maybe over the course of two years, I'll get an inspiration or I'll get an idea and I'll be able to do like move forward or do something, maybe a miracle. I don't know. I can save money. I, I'll think of something. Two years, that's plenty of time, right? Like I just, I'll put together that plan. Um, so that was kind of my plan of what I thought was going to happen. And as soon as I wrote it down, things started to like rearrange. And I ended up going to Kenya um, t- and it took 10 months from when I wrote it down. And I went to Kenya yeah. with another organization just so I could check out what they did and how they did it. Yeah. Um, and mostly I just thought, I just wanted to, I just want to see, like, I just yeah. want to have an experience and see what it's like and see what happens. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I also always knew that I was called to Ghana specifically. Oh. So it was good because I couldn't have gone to Ghana anyway because he was on his mission. So mm-hmm. I went to Kenya. Mm-hmm. That was while he was gone. And then after I came back, it was so life-changing. Like everything was different. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool. I, let's do that again. Where else would I want to go? So I write down that I, I've never been to India. So let's write that down. So I write, I write down again. I go to India and I think I wrote it down in February and I went in May. 
So that it took three months and I got invited to be a delegate to this women's economic forum. Full of the people making all those kinds of policies that I just mentioned, right? <laughs> so I went and I was thinking, and I, I firmly believe I'm not any place by accident. Like the Lord has a plan for me whenever I end up anywhere. It's because he put me there, right? So I'm sitting there and I'm like, the people that I have the most common with here are the Muslim women because they're still valuing their families. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and their children. Right. And the yeah. other women. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm like, okay, what am I doing here? Heavenly father, this is a joke because like, I don't fit with any of these people. <laughs> like, like literally I'm at a women's, an international women's forum. And the only place that mothering is being talked about is in one round table discussion at one lunch hour on one table about alternative ways to mother without actually being a mother. Wow. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that, that kind of was also like a, a, a piece of the, Hey, look at this. Yeah. Like this is what's happening. Right. And yeah. I was just like, yeah. I was just so blown away with the whole thing. Yeah. So, so that fall he came home from his mission and three weeks after he came home, he and I went back and we took about 10 of my friends who were just crazy enough to go to Africa with me on a whim. I totally guessed like how much stuff was going to cost. I'd met people on Facebook who were organizing everything and making all of our arrangements. I didn't know them. I'd never met them before. Like, like I nearly had a panic attack over the ocean as I realized, what, are, what am I doing? <laughs> Why would I think I could do this? Like, this is the dumbest idea that's ever been. <laughs> I've had some dumber ideas since then, so it's all good. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that was my first trip. So that first trip to Ghana, my first trip to Africa was in the fall of 2014. Mm -hmm. My first trip to Ghana was in the fall of 2015. Okay. And you've so been, basically you've been to Africa. Well, you've been out of the country three times in that year then. In that year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then, so then over the course of those next few years, I took three different teams back to Ghana and I went back to Kenya on two different trips. This is, the, oh. so this is the funny thing, because remember that first trip that I made was a once in a lifetime deal. Yeah. Or so I thought. Yeah. How, so was it just your excitement to keep going back? I mean, you, uh, you just like, are there, were, were there projects there that you were wanting to do or you'd made connections and you were helping somehow or like what, what, you know what? Our, our projects were really pathetic. <laughs> looking back on it we like we like we did it all wrong like we did it all wrong because we didn't well, know what, what we were was doing. driving it you you found needs when you were there so you would plan another yes back and yes and I don't really know like I just kept feeling driven to do it yeah. You know? yeah and I didn't it didn't really make any sense at all my husband was not excited about it at all he about wasn't excited trips? about the first trip he wasn't excited about the first one nope and and actually my the first trip that when I went to Kenya he yeah. um so keep in mind that first trip, my youngest was about a year and a half. Yeah. So she's a baby. She's a two-year-old maybe Yeah. in there. Yeah. And, um, I think she was a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And, and so, and he was like, what do you mean? You're going to be gone for two weeks. You're going to be gone for two. Like, what about the baby? Like, what about, and I said, I said, here's the deal at the end of two weeks, I'm going to be back and I'm going to jump into my regular life or so I thought. She's never going to be any the wiser. She won't even know yeah. that I was gone. <laughs> uh -huh. But I have spent my whole life. And remember, there's a 20-year space between my oldest and my youngest. Yeah. Showing my kids 
all my older kids, all the reasons we can't do stuff. What do you mean? Like all the reasons we don't even go to St. George for the weekend because we don't have money. We don't have time. Like all the reasons we're going to go to Disneyland next year because we can't afford it now. All the like I just got tired of waiting to live. Wow. I just got kind of over that. I was like, I've I've spent my, their whole growing up. I have showed them that I have modeled that. I've done a lot of that too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it's like, it's like, it's like, I can wait forever for this thing to come up or I can figure it out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so that's kind of what, that's kind of where I, I was on that. And he, he, he kind of thought, you know, I'll, I'll, I think at one point we had a conversation. He's like, I'll, I, I support you by not telling you, you can't go. And he did support me from the standpoint that he held down the fort with 10 kids while I was gone for two weeks. Like that's oh, not yeah. yeah. right. Like, yeah. so he, yeah. So he, so I mean, in that way he did, but he wasn't excited. He never wanted to go. He never wanted to have any, he didn't want to visit. It sounds know? like the more times you went, the more you felt you needed to be there. Yeah. It yeah. just kind of like was, was like that, that desire and you're getting more clarity each time and you're seeing more needs and learning more just about how yeah. to navigate it, how to be there, how to help, how to. Yeah. And, and observing the culture and, you know, we were blowing through people who were there for the wrong reasons and like just getting, you know, meeting more people, just setting up connections and, yeah. and, 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 and people that would go with us on the expeditions, like Larita Berkey came, she's like my right hand she's like, she's the woman in the U S she holds down the fort on that side. Like she's amazing. She came on my second wow. trip, my second expedition. She's been over three or four times. Mm-hmm. At least we went to Liberia together in January. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a story. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I wish we had time for it. <laughs> so many stories. So okay. Many stories. So now, so now fast forward. So it's been, so how many years did you spend going over to predominantly Ghana, but other countries too, before you had this, I need to put the home on the market experience. Okay. So my first trip to Ghana was the fall of 2015, January, 2017. So like a year and a half. Okay. And you had a gone year and a half the year before. So it was like mm-hmm. two and a half mm-hmm. years from the mm-hmm. first trip, maybe. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. So we need to put the house on the market. And now, and then, and then I, like, I need to bring up now. So yeah. So now I got to bring up to my husband that we should, we should move to Ghana. Like I was scared to tell, ask him about putting our house on the market. And I got to the, to selling the house before you, Oh no, 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 we, no, we had just, we had just discussed it. He was like, yeah, where would we go? We just have to get another house. He goes, I consider it, but you know, what else, what else? And so, but that same day, that same day when I had to come back to him and I just, I just made a joke to him about it. And I said, ha ha ha, we could always move to Africa. <laughs> and how did he respond? He just, he just looked at me. Was he just trying to tell if you were kidding or not? No, no. I think he was getting a memo because he looked at me and he said, I saw, I saw his brain do like a 180. Mm-hmm like in front of me. And he said, well, if we moved to Ghana, we'd have to learn how to live so radically differently. We'd actually have time to be a family. (gasps) And he said, and technically if we build our businesses in this economy and we live in that one, we should come out ahead. Wow. And then he just listed off a bunch of reasons why we should go. 
Wow. And I was like, what just happened? Wow. Yeah. So from there, we just got it. We just, we got an impression every day, two things to do. And we didn't get the next piece until we did it. So like the next morning it was like, okay, put your house on the market and get everybody passport photos. So that's what we did. My brother-in-law's a broker, come sign the papers. Our house is nowhere near ready to sell, like not even close, but whatever, you know, put it on the market. We'll see what happens. Like the Lord can make a miracle, no doubt about that. So <laughs> did it take a miracle? <laughs> and we thought we'll sell our house. That's how we'll have money to do it, you know, for our airfare, for our, our um, like we had a thousand dollars in immunizations we had to do and 1500, no, like, yeah, $1,500 in visas, like all yeah. that kind of stuff. It's yeah. like, we have to sell our house to be able to do that. Yeah. And our, and so that's what we thought was going to happen. And then, well, so the next morning after those two things, when I woke up in the morning, the, the, the thought in my mind was, okay, now just get rid of everything. So we start like listing everything on Facebook, Marketplace, KSL, just dumping everything. And our furniture's walking out the door. We had a son who had just come home from a mission. And so he'd missed all of the travel and seen everything that was happening. He thought we were crazy. Our son who served his mission here thought that was the stupidest idea he'd ever heard. He's like, you guys don't know what you're doing. That's the dumbest thing. You're going to take my sisters over there, my little sisters, you know, like, anyway. And it was difficult because at that time we were planning, we we're going to take our youngest five and we had our oldest five still back at home. And one of them was married. We had four YSA, young single adult kids. Two of them were return missionaries. Two of them were not. So super vulnerable, all of them, Yeah, all of them, you know, and I was like, oh, heavens, like Heavenly Father, are you sure? Because this is not good timing. This is not good timing about this. <laughs> and it was hard. It was, it was, it was hard. Oh, like, yeah. like, like they didn't, they I didn't understand. A couple states away from my older three and cried the entire road trip. I mean, I can't, you know, at least yep. I had the consolation of thinking yep. we're going to see each other pretty frequently and. Yep. No, you, yep. you didn't even have that. Yep. And so we, we told our younger kids, pack everything that you want to keep. Um, you can bring one suitcase um, with you. And then your other suitcase will, you know, bring other like books and other supplies for our family that we need. Um, anything you want to keep, put in a box. You get one box in the store, like at a trailer parked at my parents' house, <laughs> the scout trailer. <laughs> And that's kind of how it went. So how did that feel? Like, how were you feeling during all of this? You know what? I was really emotional. Yeah. But I also, I don't know, like they're like, we had extra power. Like we, wow. you know, and I think like, I remember my best friend the morning that we left uh -huh. and we didn't leave, to, we didn't leave together. How things worked out, our house didn't sell. And it didn't sell and it didn't sell. And we dropped the price and dropped it and dropped it. And after a while, I was like, this is God. Like, there's no reason this house wouldn't be sold, mm -hmm. you know? So are we, should we relook at this? Should we go in the fall? It's like, no, we're supposed to be out of here by, by the end of May. So mm -hmm. we're coming up on three years right now. And, um, and, and our house isn't sold and we're kind of on a time schedule. Cause we got to get in order to get our visas. We have to have airfare. You know, like there's an order to that process. Right. And so we have to do all of that. And, I remember every day that one of those things came up that needed to be done, like the money would be there in our account. And then I remember the day that it was airfare and I was like, I have no idea how we're going to do our airfare. It's like $15,000 or something like that. 
And I remember waking up in the morning and I had butterflies like all in my stomach, like, oh, and I was like, it's air fair day. And I had two friends that were coming with us. Larita was one of them. She was bringing a niece and then another friend was bringing two of her daughters. We had some people that were coming, but Tom was going to stay to see to the house and to make sure that that got handled. Uh-huh. Um, so he, and, and it was good because he also had to, you know, make sure our bigger kids all were settled too. Yeah. Yeah. So I left two months earlier than he did yeah. with the kids. Yeah. And, um, and that day, the airfare day, I got up and I did, and I had messages from both of those gals and they were like, okay, let's do it. Let's order our airfare. And then just in my mind, do this and this and this. And by lunchtime, everything was booked. I still don't even really know what happened. Like, I'm not even really sure, but it, it worked itself out. And we just it, like miracles, miracles, miracles through the whole, that whole process. And that's the thing we have answered to your question. Like, how was I feeling through all of that? There were so many tender mercies. Yeah. So many tender mercies and God winks. I call them God winks, mm-hmm. right? Keep going. You're on the right path. And meanwhile, I'm like, really? Heavenly father, are you sure? <laughs> He's like, do you trust me? Do you trust me? <laughs> yeah. So, but the, 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 the difficult thing for my husband and all of that, and for my kids too, was that we couldn't answer anyone's questions. People yeah. wanted to know where we're going. We're like, we don't know. Why? What are you going to do when you get there? We don't know why, what do you get? Like, what, like, how are you going to support yourselves? Well, we kind of have an idea, but we're not even sure about that. Like we're hoping it's going to work, you know? Um, and I remember one day praying about it and thinking and saying to heavenly father, like, okay, so I'm totally good in this space of not knowing what we're doing. I'm, I'm okay with it. Cause sometimes the mercy's in the not knowing, if you know what I mean. So, um, <laughs> um, so I said, but, if there's anything that's okay for us to know, then that would also be cool. I will receive that with gratitude. Anything that's okay yeah. for us to know, that'll yeah. be cool too. Yeah. And so the words that dropped in my mind were mom school. And I was like, mom school, what is that? I don't even know what that is. Right. Mm-hmm. And that very same week, Somebody introduced me to, or I came across um, brother and sister Heckel that are, they head up the church's gospel-based literacy program worldwide. Um, And that's, I I met them that week. So just those timing, just all those kinds of timing things, like throughout that whole process, it was obviously very divinely orchestrated. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. So you get there, the house eventually sells. Yes. Yes. The, the, I get there with the kids. We get to our house. It's got water spewing out of all of the bathrooms, no electricity working. Um, I got contractors in my house. I don't know the money. People are trying to like screw me over left and right. I mean, even the people that were helping us, I found out later were totally, yeah. Like, I don't know what they thought was going to happen when I moved there and found out how much stuff really costs. Like, (laughs) right. Like all of that. So um, anyway, there was a lot of, um, it was really intense. Like the whole, those first two months, it's a good thing. My husband wasn't there in those first two months. He would have been on the first plane back. Um, we got a lot of experience really fast. Yeah. Really, yeah. really fast. Yeah. So, um, we try, I mean, our, our whole first year, year and a half was us trying not to die. 
not really, but like we felt like it, you know, getting used to, we don't speak the language. We're scared to go out of our compound alone without people because we don't know our way around and we don't, like I, I remember going to the market to try to buy, and I was trying to buy four mangoes, mangoes, how they say I'm here. And I accidentally bought four bags of them instead of four because I don't know, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to shop. I don't know how to cook on a cold pot. I don't know. Like, we're, we're in a house with no air conditioning, no hot water. Um, uh, our electricity goes out. Like, I just, I was telling you before this call, our electricity has been out twice today. You know, um, just all of those things, like, just adjusting and adapting. Our internet, the whole first year we were here, we fought with it night and day night and day and so there was a lot more separation um yeah so how yeah how did you then figure out i mean first of all why did how were you able to stay like what kept you there my gosh you know what my husband so we told everybody we'd be gone for a year because we figured that way they won't freak out because it sounds like it's a, we have a, it sounds like we have a plan right like, well you're just having a year adventure if nothing else <laughs> It sounds like we have a plan if we tell them we're yeah. going to be gone a year. Yeah. Um, but I always knew it was going to be longer term than that. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had to sell our house and get rid of everything. Yeah. Um, but um, so just coming into that space was a little bit tricky, you know. Mm -hmm. um, we started to meet people in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. Like in our church congregation, we realized that 30 to 40% of our, of the women in our ward didn't read at all. Um, so the women at church didn't read? Mm -mm. No. And, and, and I remember like the, the very first week we went to primary there, I don't know, it's okay for me to use all those, term, all that terminology, but Wait, um, I, yeah, not everybody may. Yeah, so I so so I go to, to the, the children's to, class. the children's group. Yeah, the children's yeah. class. Yes, yeah. I go there, and um, with my little girls. Who keep in mind, my youngest is five, and then my next daughter is eleven. So they're in the children's group, and I go in there, and um, and there's a lady walking around who's the teacher, and she's walking with a stick, and she's saying, "Fold your arms and close your eyes, or I'll beat you." And like that's their like like that's their culture, the culture right like yeah. mm -hmm. that, like that's how they do school and that lady has hasn't been to this class before she's also new yeah. she's also new and so she, the only thing she has to model it after is what she's seen done in school and that's how they do it meanwhile yeah. my girls are like their eyes are like ooh, you know like <laughs> yeah yeah and so just all those kinds of experiences um while we're starting to see what the needs are yeah. um and make start to create relationships yeah. In that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So why, I mean, did you just not come back just because you were just committed? You just knew you were supposed to be there. And so you were just going to see it through? No. Well, no, we know. Well, we knew we were there for a purpose, but we didn't know what it was. And we knew that the Lord was teaching us something and he was just it was all just part of another another stage of our preparation i mean hate to say it but our entire lives are just one state of preparation they after are. another they, right? they are they are so yeah. i mean even this one that we're in is just preparation for something else so yeah. so that that was kind of that but and my husband he would um he kept praying about it and kept saying like can can i can we go <laughs> can, can we go 
<laughs> he was fervently praying that we could go home. <laughs> I tell you this. <laughs> and I remember talking to him about it once, and he said, "He goes, he goes. I just keep asking. Is it okay? Like we, now we've been here a year. Can we go? Can we go?" And he goes, "All I just keep getting is just keep supporting you. Just keep supporting you." Which was difficult because he knew that this, like, he, like it's been a journey for us to try to figure to figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Yep. Because he hasn't ever felt the same calling or the same drive or the same anything about it that I have. And in the beginning, he was pretty resentful about it, you know? Yeah. Um, so to try to understand our roles and our place in it has been part of our journey as a couple, for sure. Yeah. And I remember, you know, um, last year someone was interviewing us for something and he, they asked him about that and about that question. And he said, and it's the first time I'd heard him say it out loud. Cause my husband's pretty quiet mm -hmm. and really private, you oh. know? Mm -hmm. um, and he said, he said, I have no doubt in my mind. I'm a hundred percent certain that she is called to Africa and I'm called to her. Wow. So he kind of finally came to that understanding in himself and he fulfills that role impeccably. Wow. Impeccably. And, and then in that same interview, it turned to me and asked what one of, what one of our greatest blessings was from this whole experience. And I said, for me, one of the greatest blessings is that without this whole journey, I would never have known or had an occasion to know how much he loves me. Wow. Run into piano lessons, doing our regular life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like he's given up everything. And so in that way, our relationship, we do have a special arrangement in our relationship. And that's in the space we hold for each other, you know? Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm the one that's out doing all of this. And it looks like it's me, but at the, at the end of the day, I tuck myself in under his arm. <laughs> That's my safe yeah. space. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, you know what I love, Becky, I love, and, and it's, it's fresh on my mind because we've actually been going through my book, the mission driven life and law one is loving God. And so this week is all about prayer. And I love how your story reflects the outcome of many years of spiritual preparation and your both you and your husband's ability to hear God and to know it's him and to know what he's telling you. I mean, this whole experience rests on your confidence and your husband's confidence in his ability and your ability, both of you to be able to talk to God. And it's a, it's a triangular relationship. Like it's supposed to be right. Like he's yep. not, he's not blaming you. In other words, you know, it's like when you said, what if we just moved to Africa? I mean, he was the one with all the ideas about and we could do this and we could do this and we could do this and that, you know, that you're both pointed to God is what makes all the rest of it work. And your practice and, and perseverance in having a close-knit relationship with God both of you individually and together mm -hmm. is just so much of, of what I hear in your story that, 
yeah. that made it happen, made it work, is continues to make it work. Because that again, there again, your husband is like, I mean, he could he could be doing a lot of things right now. He could be resentful, he could be leaving you. Yep. He could be throwing yep. tantrums. He could be saying, This is all your fault. You drug me over here. But instead, he keeps finding peace in God. You know, he keeps turning to his heavenly father for instruction. And he's the one that knows that the instruction for him is keep supporting yeah. Becky. Yeah. So that's just really, really, really amazing. Yeah. Well, and it's also interesting because if, if, if you know our backstory and the challenges that we had before this, where money was always the thing, like the finances, we just always struggled, struggled. And one of the things that made him, um, he went back to, he went back to school to finish his degree when we had nine kids. Wow. Um, and so like we had struggled up to that point mm-hmm. and then, um, and he's a, he's a personal trainer. He's so good at it. He's so good at what he does. But, and usually January is the most busy time for his business. And that January, when I had that meeting with God, his business dwindled to nothing. So one of the things that he said was in that conversation, he's like, I can't even explain what's just happened. Like, this is my most busy time of year. And now it's like, he's like, I'm obviously in the wrong place because I cannot, I don't have an explanation for this. You know, and it's interesting because all of those things that I had spent 20 years feeling were broken about him or me or us, like all of that, all those things that had felt broken that whole time. Now I see their place and I can see it couldn't have happened any other way. Yeah. All of that was preparatory for this. Like if we were dependent on his income, we wouldn't be doing this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And somehow yeah. when we're here, it doesn't matter because we are completely and wholly dependent on, we call it the paycheck from God. And that was the message about our house not selling. You know, when I would ask God about that, he'd say, you're going to have everything that you need and you're never going to know where it's coming from. So don't even try and figure this out. Like don't spend your time <laughs> and your energy about that. Like, like you're going to have everything you need, but you're never going to know. So just trust me. And that's totally how it has been. Wow. Okay. So we're already past an hour. So yes, uh, I know. This is what I wanted, this one I, wanted to do, I wanted to do next. First of all, I want you to tell us, I know that there's t- kind of two different projects, kinds of projects that you're working yeah. on. And so I want you to update us on those. Some of the questions that I have uh, from the moms have been answered. Tell us about the projects that you're, that you've kind of been led to through the people that you've met and the experiences there. Okay. So the first, the first one that came up was, um, the mom school. And so, um, after a year and a half, we built a family literacy center and it's just a street shop where people can come and they can learn to read, um, adults, children. It's a library, kids in school here. They don't have any books. They don't have any books. Like for them learning to read means the teacher writes something up on the blackboard and then bangs on it with a stick while they repeat it back. And that's how they learn to read. So they've never really had any love of learning anything. And so to, for them to have books that with yeah. pictures and things that they can read, like that's better than Christmas for them. Our problem is that they try to walk out with them and we have to, you know, try to yeah. keep everything under control. Yeah. So we built that first family literacy center. And then we built yeah. another one in the Liberian refugee camp mm-hmm. um, in a school that we work with there so that the children in the school can use it and also the women. And we ended up with about 60 women who were coming to that 
um, mom's school every day. They wanted to learn how to sew. And so we told them that we would do a sewing school for them, but they have to learn to read first. And so, um, so they, that they did over the course of that year, some of they didn't all stay. Some of them like got impatient. Like they didn't think that it's actually good because we couldn't have done the sewing school for 60 to start off. So we just, it helped us find who was the most serious and the most committed. So I think we ended up with like 24 that were ready to start with that first class. Yeah. Um, they've done awesome. They've done amazing. I was totally worried what would happen with all of this other crazy shifting in the world happening. And they, they, they launched right into making masks, like face masks for their community and for wow. their hospital. Cause they literally have nothing. Like these are people that maybe make 20 bucks a month, 30, like on a good month, like literally they're refugees and they can't work off the camp. And so they're just, uh, man, anyway, I'm just, I'm super proud of them. But over the course of last year, we built eight family literacy centers and we have three more and we have a goal to have 20 by the end of this year. So we have, um, uh, we have two in Kenya, in Nairobi, Uh we have one in Liberia Mm -hmm. and we have five here in Ghana. Wow. And then we have another one coming on in Rwanda. And um, another one coming on in Kenya and a bunch more coming on in Ghana. And there was, there's going to be way more in Liberia. Like we get requests all the time. We get requests all the time. And the way we screen them is we say, you have to provide the space. We don't do, we don't pay rent. Like the, the space has to be donated from the community because we don't want it to belong to us. This belongs to you. That's so um, cool. And then they also have to provide the volunteers. And so we provide the materials and the training. Um, in the different Where do the books come from? Um, we have, so like the, the specific curricula that we use, um, those are donated right now from, we are using Reading Horizons, mm-hmm. um, Learning Dynamics, mm-hmm. and um, Max and Kim, I don't know the name of it. It's like a family literacy ink. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we use the gospel-based literacy also, um, wherever that's appropriate. So um those are donated, but we like to have them all laminated and all the parts like the flashcards and the books and all those kinds of things covered. So right now that's one place that families can get involved and help us. Um, Like if you need a family project, all of those, we like to have that done before they come over because they'll last longer. (laughs) Everything here gets ruined. Yeah. Like it's the the energy, the energy here is just, it's just different. Well, and they're coming in and out and there's lots of users and but are there yeah. actual bookshelves too, where there's just book like recreational books to read that kind of. Yes. Yep. Yep. And so those books people can donate. We bring them over um, with teams when they come and also, um, and, and, and so for that, our criteria is we usually don't have a shortage of book donations. So the ones that are in the best condition we take first. Okay. So the better, the condition, the better um, we do. I am partial to the classics. I tell people no pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, children's books? Children's books, adult books. But in English, are these in English? Then? In English, mm-hmm. yep. If you have anything in French, we can always use that in our in our Francophone mm-hmm. <laughs> countries. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of hard to come by, but. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, are you, what are, are, you're teaching them to read their language in your literacy centers? No, they're learning English. They don't really read in their own language here because everything is phonetically spelled. There's not like official spellings for things. It's really interesting. 
<laughs> and anybody who's educated enough to read, they learned that at school. And so they usually speak English by that time. Right. So, yeah. So wow. that, there's that. Um, um, we don't, we get a lot of cookbooks donated. We can't really use cookbooks because they don't have those ingredients here and yeah. they don't like our food. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then, and then the other thing that we do do is that we have a set of books that we buy on Amazon that are African folk tales and illustrated African drawings, you know, illustrations and things like that. Because when we bring our books over, we want them to have, to have a good size smattering of their own culture mm-hmm. um, in those. And so we have a book group. I mean, not a book group, like a wish list on Amazon, or if you donate money and, and specifically write like books for the literacy center, um, that's where that goes. Um, there's a set of books written by a woman from Canada for Ghanaian children. I think there's like 30 something, something books in it. They're darling because she came over to do literacy too. And she found <clears throat> there's no books for them. Yeah. And certainly not of their own, you know, their own yeah. children. So, yeah. <clears throat> so um, I think that set is like $105 for all of those books. So we make sure every literacy center has at least one of those sets in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe two. But like we have a literacy center up in one of the villages where we work. And whenever that literacy center is open, we see a hundred kids. Wow. And they just come like, we're like, we still are still trying to figure out how to manage it and fit it. And finally we said, it's like in a big, like our, our, our parts in a back room, like all the books are there and locked. When we open it, we put a desk in the door and then there's like an outer, it's a community center. So there's chairs and stuff in this outer um, courtyard. Um, and so my daughter, bless her heart, she's such a good sport. She, she stands there with these stacks of books and she hands them out to the kids. And when they're done, they come and bring it to her and she trades them for another one. <laughs> it just, Perfect. And she just does that because otherwise we're like, we don't know how to manage that. So yeah. things like that, we're still figuring out. So that's the literacy centers. Super, super exciting. They wow. love it. Oh, they love great. it. I know. Um, the kids love it. The um, Sometimes, you know, the adults, they some of them feel like they're too old to learn anything new which is heartbreaking. Um, but yeah. you know what? Anybody who wants to come is welcome because yeah. love of learning, right? So yeah. there's- And then there's and then set class times where they can come and- um, Yes, especially when we, yes, 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 for the adults. But in the daytime, yeah. usually we try to we try to coordinate with local schools to see how many schools can come and use it too. And so we'll set up a schedule during the day um, for a teacher to bring their class for the library time. Right, yeah. the literacy center so that it's a little bit more controlled yeah. and the schools can use it in the day. Yeah. yeah. They love it. So that's awesome. So that's the one project. The other one is the family restoration center that we are working on because as I mentioned earlier in the very beginning, um, it's so interesting because I came on this crazy adventure and then all of a sudden I'm back to the beginning with um, finding these mothers who have given up their children to the orphanage because they can't take care of them. Right. 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 And so last year we started working with um, one family in particular uh, to help the help them to become as self-reliant as possible so that they can take back the care of their own children. Right. If, that's, if it's appropriate. And it's not right. appropriate for everyone, right. but it is for many, for right. many, many, many of those moms. Like this mom, she was going and working two, three days a week at, at the children's home so she could keep track of her kids. I think there's a video about that on our, on our link, I think that you're going to share later, but um Anyway, so that's, that has been a big thing that's, it's a big project that we're working on. We had a series of miracles lead us to this property that is a beautiful, like it's, 
amazing. And this is what it's for. Mm-hmm. It's for healing families and it's for um, restoring them. And it's kind of fitting because the property itself needs some restoration. So we're looking for families who want to come and help us with that or anyone who wants, you don't have to be a family, like just come, anybody who wants to come and help us with that. Um, anybody who wants to come and help us with literacy centers, if anyone wants to come, um, we have expeditions. Well, we do, except right now this week, we're hoping they open up any any week that people can start to travel again. But the Family Restoration Center is probably one of our biggest needs right now because we have paid 75% of the price of the property. And so as soon as we have that finished, we're going to bring in some other charities to come help us with the restoration. So we're trying to just, we have a goal to have it up and running by August 1st, which is a bold, it's a, yeah, you were telling me before you wanted it paid off by then. Now you've, yeah, now that's that's because we've started working with a social worker and that piece has fallen into place working Uh with the social worker. Uh So she and I were like, she's like, uh, like as soon as you have this up, it's going to be full. So, um, and it's just, she's funny too. Cause I, t- I took her around our house cause we have a team house here where we stay and right now it's empty cause there's not a team. So I was like, if you, you know, have children or people, you know, needing to escape trauma or whatever, we have these spaces and she's, yeah. and so I take her in one room that has two bunk beds and she's like, you could put three bunk beds in here. And I was like, well, let's just start with two. She's like, okay, you can start with two, but you'll have three. <laughs> she's like, the, like the need is just so it's just, it's just unreal. Is it the kind of thing, I know that you said something to me before about it being a rescue center, maybe even for trafficked kids. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. Is it also a place where mothers would potentially like drop their children? Do they have that option? Like how, how do the, how do the children get brought to you? Well, so everything has to happen through the legal channels, mm-hmm. you know, with the government and the social welfare and everything. Mm-hmm. But we would hope that if a mother is bringing her child to drop, that the mother will come to. Yeah. And that way we can work with that mother to teach her skills, work in her, you know, in her spiritual development and all of those kinds of things so that she can like train, train them how to be a family, you know, like yeah. the family that was here, like they, they had been in a children's home for 10 years, five kids. Wow. And their mother just, you know, bless her heart. She's, she's a dear friend now. So your objective is to train the parents, mm-hmm. educate the parents if necessary and reunite the family. What if the family cannot be reunited? Then that's another, then, then there's a different track for that. Mm-hmm. There's a different track for that. Mm-hmm. And uh, every situation is singular. Mm-hmm. Every situation is so individual. It has to be looked at and it has to be, you know, a plan put in place with um, um, social welfare. We have had conversations, um, the social worker that we're working with mm-hmm. specifically is the social worker for Operation Underground Railroad Yeah. here. And so, um, so, and they're, they're excited about this place as well for a place oh, yeah. that we might be able to help them with some of their aftercare. So while it's designed like, like, my vision and my goal is to help families and to reunite them. And obviously, you know, hopefully we can get them before it comes to that. Like if we yeah. can, if we can use it as a place to facilitate our other programs so that we can, you know, work with families while they're still, while they still have a home or where they're yeah. still in their own, in their own place, that would be optimal, right? Like that yeah. would be the goal. Yeah. Um, but if there's a place, like if you're going to work with a family like that or a mother like that, um, it's a long process. It's not any two week. Oh, here's your micro loan. Good luck with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so 
rather than work with her while her children are separate from her and she can't keep an eye on them and keep them safe, mm-hmm. we'd rather have her come with them and be yeah. together yeah. while we do that work. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. That being said, it's a shelter. So if other people call or social worker calls and says, Hey, you know, we've got this abandoned kid, then what are we going to say? Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this is a family center. Like this is yeah. a place to be safe. Of course. This is a safe place for people to come while they yeah. work on their healing really. Yeah. So it's, it's beautiful. Everyone that's been there, even though it needs to be restored, everyone there can just feel it. They don't want to leave. It's so fun. And even, even my kids were like, can we just stay? <laughs> so that's our big need. We want to get that wrapped up so that we can get it up and running. And we have a plan in place working with the social worker on that. Like she's basically told us, start this. This is your, this is the first thing that needs, you know, the, the restoration. These are the requirements before you can, before people can come. Um, and, and they're, they're honestly minimal. So we can start, but we just need, yeah. Anybody who wants to get involved, we have this really cool fundraiser going right now where you can donate an amount of money and we put a brick with your name on it or a bench or other garden feature. The garden is beautiful. We call it Shangri-La. Mm. If you see videos of it, you'll see it because it's just it has that feeling to it. Yeah. So anyway, those are our projects, our two biggies that we're working on. We, we always have side things too, but you know, that are going on because um, it's families mentoring families. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so wonderful, Becky. So I want to let you know that I donated yesterday and it, and I was able to share it to my Facebook profile and I will share it into our group and you can follow you. if you want to make any kind of donation. Um, I really, thank you, thank you. I really believe what Becky and what Becky's doing. And, and I, you know, it would be wonderful. I wanted you women to get to know her and be inspired by her story and know that when you're willing, God can really use you in tremendous ways. But I also believe in what she's doing. And if it's something that you want to put a few dollars toward or more than that, then you can use that link and we can see how much, uh, we already had one mom donate $20. So you can. Awesome. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Like, oh, you're, welcome. Even know. you're welcome. So that'll go into kind of our little group donation and we can see what we can pull off there. And just so you know, every dime of that is going to this project. Yeah. Every dime of it. Yeah. yeah. All of it. So yeah. thank you. Cause you were telling me last time when we talked, there's some other way that you guys are able to, to cover your expenses over there. Yep. The paycheck from God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's just been little things that have happened that allowed you. Yeah, we don't we we don't know. Like like there there are miracles. Like so like sometimes like one month our data didn't run out for like two extra months or three or so. I mean it's like it's crazy. Like it's crazy. Like we have everything we need. We just never know how it's how it's going to happen. But how do you support your kids and family while you're there and keep them safe and out of harm's way? Um. So first of all, we try to not do dumb stuff. That's the first thing, but we actually feel pretty safe. And I've found that if you feel safe, you are. So, um, we also teach them to not be afraid. Um, but that being said, we live in a compound, like our house has, it's fully walled and it has electric fence on top. Mm-hmm. Um, we have one of, one of our, one of our miracle stories was our dog like after we'd lived here a few weeks and all of our friends that came to see us and we kind of had a house a little bit far out 
of the uptown and they said if you're going to live out here you got to have a you got to have dogs and we'd never had dogs before because i had a bad attitude about that so um i just always figured i don't need a dog if i still have a toddler who's peeing on the yeah, floor oh, me too. oh yes totally yes and i don't want to get myself attached to something who's less likely to outlive me than like like i just don't want to set myself up for that kind you of need a turtle Right, like I know, right? But well, actually, we had some of those too, and they just disappeared. So we don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. But um, so one, so one morning we, and the, actually, dogs are surprisingly expensive to buy here. You can't just take them off the street because you don't let them belong to somebody or if they're any, anyway. So one day, we I was taking my boys out early morning, and we opened the gate to our compound, and this this mangy, starving, sick dog hobbles in on three legs. And he wouldn't leave and we couldn't get him to go. And we had to go somewhere. So I said, okay, just leave him. We'll fix this when we come back, right? So we come back, he goes under our car. He won't come out. I have a picture of him. Like he's got bleeding sores on him. He's got fleas oh and flies. And he's like, his his back leg is all like just shaking. Like, shh, like he, he can't, like he was starving, starving skin and bones. Like it was probably his last day on the earth um, until he came into our compound. Yeah. And after a while I said, well, we can't get him to leave. So let's just see what happens if we feed him. Let's just see what will happen. And I, oh, I had friends on Facebook. They were like, take it. Are you going to take him to a bed? I said, not till I know if he's going to die. I'm not going to invest a penny into this dog. If I, like if he's going to die. So let's see if we feed him, let's see what happens. Right. Mm -hmm. So we did that. We bathed them, got medicine to bathe them with things like that. Anyway, he made a full and complete recovery wow. and he has been our protector spiritual and otherwise and he nobody does legs, huh no he totally healed up the other oh. one totally he oh, totally healed nice. up remarkable yeah and he's awesome. he, he's my 16 year old he's his best friend mm -hmm. his best friend and i would never have known how much he needed animals before we came here but wow. yeah so that's one reason that's that's kind of a miracle story about feeling you know safe safe and protected yeah mm -hmm. yep yep how did this influence your kids, the kids that stay oh, in the kids that are there? That's a really good question. So um, it's been, it's been, it's been tricky. Yeah. Um, it's also been good. Yeah. Um, I have my days when I get totally homesick and I just get like emotional, you know, just, I just, yeah. I just miss my kids. And I think sometimes they think that I'm most off doing my thing and I don't care. And yeah. uh, it's like so far from the truth. Yeah. But um, when we left, it was difficult because we had all of these young adults and within like we came the beginning of June and by September, two of them were engaged wow. and they got married at Christmas. So we had to turn around and go back in six months for two weddings and um, um, a whole bunch of miracles that happened with that. Holy smokes. And then the following summer, my daughter got married. So it's a lot better now because the older kids are, they're more settled because more of them, like we have, we have three, we're getting a fourth grandbaby Aww. in like two or three weeks now. Um, and so they have their own families and their own things. And so that's been one, one thing. So the longer that we're here, the easier it gets because we start to figure stuff out. Like just a, a few months ago, we started to use Marco Polo. Yeah. Um, which I've seen before. We used it a little bit, but never very well. And I finally yeah. brought it back. I was like, Hey, you guys, well, what happened was we hosted sister Bonner from the Bonner family. 
Mm. And that's how their family stays in contact. Mm. And they live all over the country and they are on there talking to each other 24 seven mm-hmm. on Marco Polo and her kids, mm-hmm. which I thought that's what I want it to look like. And so I went home, I went back to my kids. I was like, hey, you guys, do you mind if we try this? And so lately that's been our thing. And my husband does this funny thing every day. He does an impression of some made up character. And so they're all waiting for him to do that. And, um, and, and then my daughter's in law with their, um, like they'll post pictures of the kids and videos. And then like, and then and our kids are on the thing that's difficult for us right now to tell you the honest truth is our, our time schedule is so weird because we let our kids stay up because that's when the kids back home are off of work. Yeah. So like our family, we don't go to bed before midnight ever yeah. because um, that's six o'clock. Right. And so sometimes we're up to one because that's, that's, that is our family time with, you know, across ocean wise, Um, the kids at home have had to learn how to rely on each other when they need something. You know, my daughter had a bad dental experience and had to go get a tooth pulled. And so she had to call her oldest brother to come drive her, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. um, my grand, my parents are super great at taking care of them. There's a, uh, my, my daughter-in-law, her family, they've kind of another, another homeschool family, another Actually, we have two families that have been second homes to our kids back home. The older one that came o- over with us the first year, he went back for his senior year um, and stayed with stayed with a family there that is our dear friends. And then um, and then this other family has kind of been a second family to some of our other kids. So like everything's been provided so beautifully, like so well, and we're just so grateful. Our kids here are remarkable. Um, and the first year we were here, they were really lonely and missing their friends and our internet was so bad, but the longer they've been here, they don't have that much in common with their friends anymore because their experience is so radically different. Yeah. Um, and they're, they've seen stuff. Yeah. You know, and they, they work in the literacy centers. They teach kids how to read. They work at the restoration center. They're hands-on involved in everything we do, everything. Um, They did their laundry in a bucket. My five-year-old did her laundry in a bucket the first two years we lived here. Yeah. So um, they're accustomed to doing the hard thing and they don't complain. And I don't know any other kids we could ask to do what we've asked them to do. Yeah. I think they sense, I think they have a sense of their own purpose and their own mission. Like I look at it, like what's the Lord preparing me for? And sometimes I have this glimpse of like, it's not even about us. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it's yep. about those kids. Like what's, what's, what does God have in store down the road for these yeah. kids? Because they have such a singular upbringing. Yeah. So yeah. And honestly, it's true. We have, this is the only way we have time to be a family. We are together all the time. And we love it. So great. All righty. Thank you so, so much for Thank you. this time with us, taking time out of your evening to be with us. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Thank you so much, Becky.